Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinnerbaits, buzzbaits, and more from jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. On this podcast, we'll be talking about life and kayak fishing. Every week, we'll have a special guest, whether it's a tournament angler, a content creator, or just a regular guy or girl who just loves to go kayak fishing. So grab a cold beer, sit back, and enjoy the show. Bass Kayak and Beers is sponsored in part by Douglas Rod. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out their full lineup and locate your nearest authorized dealer. All right, welcome to Bass Kayak and Beers, and today my special guest is Coley McGowan. How are you doing, Coley? I'm good, sir. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good, man. Thank you for coming on board. Coley is uh, one of those Alabama hammers that's taking part in the KFL. He also won the Hobie uh, B, uh, BOS in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, the Coosa chain. Is that correct, Coley? I won the uh, Coosa chain event here in Gadsden. I got fourth at the uh, Knoxville event. Oh, yeah, fourth at the Knoxville. I'm sorry. I'm looking at your sign behind you, and I know you got fourth yeah. on one. I hope the one I did, yeah. <laughs> that was so correction. First in, in, in the um, Coosa chain and fourth in Tennessee. Which, which lake was in Tennessee that you were fishing? That was the headwaters of the Tennessee River. It was uh, the French Broad River, the Holston River. I went Teleco, Fort Loudon. Uh, so we had a lot of water to cover. That was a that was a cool fishery. Which conditions the, would have been a lot better though, but it was it was good. Yeah, it was a TOC, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it was a TOC in, in uh, November. November. Yeah, that's the one thing about transition weather, whether it's spring or just kind of uh, October. You know, you not October. I'm sorry. I wanted to say fall fall and winter those transition season it's like you never know how it's gonna fish because you know it's just transition seasons you know it's not like summer when you know it's gonna be pretty much warm the occasional thunderstorms and it's winter where it's gonna be pretty much cold the occasional you know cold front or you know not so cold front but transition weathers to me it's always hit or miss oh yeah and especially with our time with the toc they were trying to get the lake levels down a lot douglas and uh cherokee so they were like dropping the water dramatically and so like every day the water was either pumping out of douglas or pumping out of cherokee through the dams how the river systems are set up and i mean like douglas it was just it had the water on uh the french brawl just up and muddy and rolling i mean it was but it i mean it was that's where i fished i fished the front brawl the french brawl uh for the toc and but I mean that that whole area, the French Broad, the Holston, everywhere I went I had fish. It was just like which one do I want to fish? <laughs> you know, so it was it was kind of tough. But I like muddy water. I'm used to fishing the Coosa River, so I like muddy water. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, well, we're going into the techniques and everything in a few 
uh, as we go along in the podcast. But I really wanted to, first of all, introduce you to the audience. Coley, tell us a little bit about you, what you do for work, and uh, how you got into kayak fishing. Um, I'm, I'm 26. I'm from Gadsden, Alabama. Uh, my everyday job, I'm a deputy sheriff for the Etowah County Sheriff's Office. Um, but kayak fishing is kind of my outlet. Like I've, um, I grew up fishing, I mean, from, from the time I could walk with my pawpaw, uh, wading creeks and floating rivers and stuff like that around here. We got plenty of rivers and creeks and good lakes. Um, I got into kayak fishing, I don't know, probably about eight years ago, I guess. Before that, it was canoes. Um, and then kayak, just the whole kayak scene kind of blew up. And then a couple of local clubs around here invited me to start fishing some local events. And, uh, I had a little cheap heritage uh 12 foot kite like a heritage angler or something like that from academy and uh it floated and it was i just fell in love with it it's, i'm competitive so it just kind of it kind of offset i like to i like to be competitive but also i just enjoy fishing it just i don't know just it's a good outlet that just lets me relax from my everyday job and i just enjoy it so how does it go from like talking a little bit about it your work, you mentioned that kayak fishing is an outlet for you. And you also mentioned you're a sheriff deputy. Now you're pretty young for sheriff's deputy. You were telling me you were like, what, 26 years old? Yes, sir. Yeah, 26. Is that like normal to like, are sheriff deputy usually that young? Or are you kind of like the young, uh, like kind of uh, head of the class in kind of that aspect? Uh, there's a lot of young guys get into it. But nowadays there's just not really as many young people, I guess. They get into it and they get out of it. They don't really stay in it. Um, but coming, my dad was a police officer and prior military and stuff like that. Uh, just kind of been around it, I guess, majority of my life. And, um, I don't know, I was a pot welder before I become a police officer. Um, and then I, then shortly after becoming a police officer, I became a deputy sheriff. Um, I don't know. I just, I like interacting with the public and, you know, I like doing my part, giving back and helping and being there from being there for people when people need help. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I enjoy, enjoy doing that. I don't know. I, it's just different. It's, it's hard to explain as far as, I don't know. When, when, when you're fishing and you catch a fish and you're like, Oh man, that's great. But when you really help somebody, you know, that really, really does need help. It just really kind of has that same effect. You know what I mean? Like you, you've yeah. done what you signed up for as far as somebody needed you and you were there and you know, there's no thanks or anything needed. You're just doing your part. Yeah, I think that's refreshing for for me to to listen to a young man. I mean, I'm what twenty years older than you right now, and to hear you talk about your work and how you feel about it, to me that's refreshing. Because there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to um, law enforcement, but to see a young man like yourself, like talk about how it, what you like and what you love about serving the public, is something that I think you know. Brings us hope when, especially in the turbulent times that we live in. Oh yeah, it's definitely a different age than when my family has been in law enforcement. It's just it's changed, you know, with social media blowing up, and you know everybody's got a phone, and you see two different sides of things. It's not saying every cop's a good cop. There's bad apples in every tree, but for the most part, you know, we everybody that I know personally, you know, not saying I don't know any bad ones, but you know, people signed up to help and give back and be there for people. And, you know, it's just, I mean, there's, you, there's evil in all walks of life. I mean, there yeah. is, and you gotta have, you gotta have somebody balancing it out. If not, it's just, you know, it'll overtake, but, um, you know, just being out there and people, you know, that's what I enjoy about being a deputy. I think the most part is the fact that most of the people I come in contact with are happy to see us. Um, because there's a lot of, videos and images that give us a bad name out there in the country mm -hmm. right now um, but a lot of people are happy to see us and enjoy because it's you know if you don't have medics and firefighters and law enforcement i mean it, there's no telling what this world will be like yeah um, you know you you got to get the bad out of the neighborhood you gotta you know you got to get people help you know not all bad or bad in the long run you know some people just need help they're lost um so i try not to take anything personal in this job um you know, people people are going to try to hurt you. People are going to say hurtful things and stuff like that. And you just kind of let gotta let it roll off. You just can't can't take things personal because a lot of a lot of times the people we interact with are not in the right state of mind mentally. 
you know, they, they whether they're under the influence of alcohol or drugs or mentally unstable, you know, supplemental conditions, you know, it's, you interact with a lot of people, with a lot of different, different types of personalities. That's for sure. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. That's definitely, and right now with the social media where everything is like scrutinized, your job is obviously going to be scrutinized and... That's something that your father probably didn't have to deal with. But now it's more like even if you do things right, people can edit things in a way that makes you look like a villain when you're actually trying to help. But I think, like I said, refreshing to hear you talk that way. We thank you for your service. We thank you that are people just people like you out there that are doing it for the right reason and have that outlook on it. It's not always easy dealing with the public, but having that understanding and that maturity that emotional and i think emotional intellectual maturity that you possess at such a young age where you can you know take yourself out the emotions out of something out of a difficult situation and, and not take it personally and understand there's a job to do and there's a way to go about it the right way and there's a way to go about it the wrong way and even if you do good the right way i mean there's always going to be uh the critics so thank you again for for being the the way that you're being with this uh, taking that approach that you're taking in and again thank you for your service i know it's not gonna be it's not gonna it's not easy definitely and you mentioned something that um, kayak fishing does help you kind of be an outlet how does kayak fishing help you first of all in the sense of uh your your leisure time you know your time on the water where you're just enjoying fishing and then there's also the aspect of your tournament angler as well so there's you know there's a huge difference between fishing for fun and just relaxing and having the pressure of actually having to pay 250 dollars for an entry fee and performing trying to get some of that money back and also not looking you know um looking bad when you're getting skunk so Tell me about that. How does that, you know, transfer? How does that help you deal with, um, you know, just being a, an outlet for your job? Well, I kind of look at it as the, the person I've become now as far as a police officer. I like to go back to the person I was before. You know, I'm like, no worries. You know, just put a plastic boat in the back of your truck, go out of the river, go creek or the lake, you know, on the weekends and fun fish with your friends, your buddies, your family, and just go back to who you used to be. You know, like we all got our jobs or nine to fives or, you know, whatever jobs we got to do to support our families, you know, but um, it, you just got to let that stuff go sometimes. You know, you got to forget about it and you just got to get a rod in your hand and just go relax and enjoy yourself and try to try to remember who you used to be. You know what I mean? So it's, it, that's why I like fit fun fishing for the most part is just it just kind of reminds me where I come from and you know what I what I what I enjoy is a passion because that's what it was before I started fishing a few tournaments here and there and I started trying some bigger events and stuff like that was just going out and enjoying myself and fishing and, and just catching big fish and it was just everybody's like hey man you know won't you sign up for this or why don't you do this this, this tournament's in town or you know stuff like that and I think starting to fish some bigger events for you know kbf and uh hobie and stuff like that just being able to travel you know just get, to go to different bodies of water is basically it tests me because i like the pressure i like to be under pressure i think i perform better when the conditions are rough um uh, well i say that but i got my butt kicked at seminole so we're not going to talk <laughs> about that but um i like to think the tougher the conditions the better i do just I don't know why I've always been that way, but most of the events we have where there's a lot of rain or bad conditions or water levels are horrible. Um, it just kind of makes it an equal playing field, I guess, for everybody else. And, uh, cause you, you know, you got guys that have all different levels. You got guys that are deep water guys. You got guys that 
do better do better up shallow guys that are river guys or you know whatever everybody's got their strengths and i just feel like when when the conditions are tough it just it, it suits me better um and i i think i like going like when i fished for hobie at the toc that was an awesome experience to go to to go to knoxville and fish i've never seen that area i mean i only live like three and a half hours away but i just never been there and it was it was an awesome place. I mean, I enjoyed every second of it, even when the conditions were rough. Uh, but it's just been great as far as going from fishing just for fun and then entering, you know, tournaments, whether it's local clubs or trail events or, you know, like bigger kayak tournaments like Hobie, the BOA series or the KBF trail event, stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. It's just something about, I had a bass boat once and I sold it after a year. Uh, because I started kayak fishing so much and the, the, not taking anything, not taking anything away from the bass boat guys, not at all. Cause I love them to death, but the kayak guys that you, that you are around and you interact with and you sit down with at a table at an event and you're all after the same thing, you're trying to win or you're trying to do good or cash a check. And just about every one of those guys you're going to talk to would give you the shirt off their back. They're mm-hmm. humble. They're nice guys. They're going to help you out on the water if you need anything. You know, there's a lot of guys that's had their trailers break down and somebody give them a tire, spare tire, or lend them a hand when help's needed. And, you know, it's just hard to find that anywhere around. And I think that's why I've enjoyed competition fishing so much. Like, you know, as far as like, on you know, trail events and stuff like that, being competitive is is how easy it is in a, in a sense because you don't feel that stress, you know, of like, these guys they're not going to talk to you they're not going to interact with you it's just so comfortable like you go to a bos event and you just feel at home you're just everybody there's just talking cutting up having a good time you know talking about you know fishing in general it's just it's just it's a good environment you know and i just i like being a part of that and it was just cool to be a part of the seminole event for hobie um this 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 month it was just even though i got my butt kicked um i mean that was the biggest event hobie's had you know that was just that was cool to be a part of that you know just to be there and just take all that in and see some different terrain and some different water and learn it's all a learning curve for me uh you know i don't obviously don't fish for a living it's a hobby that you know i just i don't i don't care if i win or i lose i just want to do my best and uh i don't know it's just to go somewhere like that on a bigger bigger event and just see all those people you know what i mean and just from all over you know like from you know alabama you know georgia there's a lot of georgia guys florida there was guys from ohio and texas and all over and it's just like you get all these guys from all over it's like the toc you get all these guys from all over and they've never met some i'm sure most of them met some of them had never seen me before just come up talking you know cutting up you know asking where you're from or where you fish and just you know, it was just cool to get to interact with those, you know, those people that, you know, just, I don't know, just people that I've seen these past couple of years, like, dang, that's awesome. You know, they're doing big things. Like, you look at Russ Snyder, you look at Ryan Lambert, you look at Jordan Marshall, you know, you, you look at hammers like that. You know, you look at Lance Coley from Alabama. I fished against him in a bunch of state events and, you know, club events, stuff like that. And, I mean, it's just to everybody finally get to, like, compete against each other up there at the TOC was just awesome. You know, like, you get to see a bunch of familiar faces and people you didn't know and just i don't know it's just fun i encourage anybody to anybody that's scared to try or jump up and you know go fish. it don't matter what what how much your kayak costs it don't don't matter a bit you can go buy a 200 dollar kayak as long as you got the, the 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 stuff you need show up and fish and hey you look at drew gregory i mean shoot he's or you know crescent or crescent if i'm saying that wrong i'm sorry drew but you know they're <laughs> i mean they're doing huge things like and he kicks all our butts and a paddle kayak i mean i got a hobie but that's just because that's just what i like you know like i had new canoe before that and i love new canoe i mean i, I have nothing to say about any bad kayak so it's just the kayak floats and you just kind of trick them out the way you want to and whatever works best for you and fits your personal needs it's, i mean it's it's awesome i mean i encourage anybody to come out and fish even if it's just local clubs hey if you're around gas in alabama holler at me on facebook or whatever and let's go fish a local event or just reach out to somebody, man. Don't be scared to ask questions or, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm still new to it. So, I mean, I asked Lance and Drew and, you know, I, you know, I mean, a bunch of guys that 
I call them on the phone, ask them a question or about an event. And I mean, they help me out more than anybody has. So I just, I encourage anybody that wants to fish any events, local, big or small, just reach out to somebody if you want to do it and just go do it. Yeah. That's the beauty of this sport because there's different levels to why I think it's an awesome sport. First of all, if you're a competitor, right? Like me, I'm the same way. I'm a, I'm a competitor. I love playing uh, whether it's football, soccer, baseball, basketball, but I'm not very athletic at any of it. Doesn't mean I love competing. I love it, but I, I realize I'm not very athletic at, at any of them. But, you know, it's one of those things where you're kayak fishing. doesn't matter your athletic ability. I mean, you can be as good as anybody out there as long as you're put, willing to put the time off the water by doing research and on the water by practicing, spending time on the water and, and honing in your skills. But anybody could be guy or girl. You could be six feet tall. You can be five feet tall. You can be, it doesn't matter. Athletic ability is like 1% of, of your success. If you're athletic, then yeah, maybe you can paddle faster than anybody else. If you're oh, yeah. in OBBOS, maybe you can cast longer. But really, there's no, there's, there's really, there's the level of your success is really dependent on how much you put into it. And that's what I love the sport. You can go out there and rub shoulders with, like you said, Ryan Lambert, um, Ross Snyder, Jody Quinn, Derek Brundle. I mean, the list goes on and on. And on a good day, if you, if you did your homework, you can be out there and like you said, finish number one on the on the Kusa or actually finish number fourth, which I think is an even a comp bigger accomplishment considering it's the TOC. When you look at who was uh, fishing with you at the TOC, I mean, that's really the top 50 anglers in the, in the States. I mean, I don't want to say in the world because I don't know what they're doing over there in Asia and, and all the other countries as far as bass fishing. But at least in the United States, it's, you know, it's top 50 anglers and you ended up number fourth, you know, a young kid, you know, from Alabama going down there and showing off and it's got to be exciting. And, and just the general culture in the sport, it's it's like it's like you said, everybody gives you shit off their back. You know, it's, there's always that big personalities that that, you know, that you have to get used to and the trash talkers and all that. And just that's just part of it. But the reality of, at the core, everybody just loves the sports. Everybody loves the community and everybody's willing to help you grow and get better. And it's kind of like a brotherhood or a sisterhood, because I know there's a lot of girls out there that fish too. But in general, it's just it's just a great sport. And like you said, I encourage anybody that really wants to learn kayak fishing, even if you're not competing, just the fact that you can be on the water and talk to some of the great anglers out there and learn from them. Something you can take, you know, on your free time when you're out just by yourself fishing and give you a chance to land more bass than you would have learning on your own or just uh, bigger bass because you had the chance to you know, rub shoulders with some of the greats and kind of pick their brains because they're all willing to share information. They might not tell you the exact secrets they use, but they'll, they're willing to tell you some stuff to help you learn. Oh, yeah, for sure. So how does it feel for you? Tell me how it felt for you winning the Kusa and how it felt for you comparing to winning, or not winning, but being number fourth on the TOC. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history, designed by John Browning. The 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Well, coming into the CUSA event, um... That was my first event for Hobie. Um, I've been wanting to fish a bunch of them and was just kind of on the edge, you know, like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready, kind of, so to speak. Um, I like to fish a lot of local events, or I do. Um, and I just don't have a lot of time off with my job. Um, but everybody's like, hey, man, this is a big opportunity for you. And I was like, you know, yeah, maybe so. And 
So when I signed up for it, I mean, I was nervous as I'll get out. Like, there's, there's no denying it. Um, but my family was behind me, and they were like, you know, just go do what you do. Um, the weekend before, we had a Alabama, our Alabama State Championship, and um, I tied for first in the state on that. Ended up losing the tiebreaker to Lance Coley. Hats off to him. Uh, I think we had, both had like 59 and a quarter inches in three fish. Um, and I hate losing, but I, I, it's okay to lose to him. Uh, I think a lot of him. Um, so going into that event, I was like, you know, man, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about where my fish was. I was on them. Um, and when I got there on day one, uh, my father-in-law fished with me also. Um, and that's off to him. I appreciate him helping me and everything he does, Brandon Lindsay. Um, so I get there, me and a couple guys from Georgia and a couple guys from up North and we kind of split our ways or whatever. And, you know, usually by nine o'clock, I'm up in the nineties as far as inches go and five fish. And I think I had two 16 inch fish by like nine or nine thirty, And I was really sweating. I was like, man, I'm going to choke, you know, there's a lot of big events, you know, like, I mean, just from what I know and what people have told me, just, you know, a lot of your local guys, they kind of choke, you know what I mean? Like if there's an event, you know, that around them, you know, they do better sometimes going out somewhere else with a, you know, fresh plate, fresh state of mind. And, you know, they come in their backyard and there's just so much pressure. They just fold. You know what I mean? It's just, yep. so I was like, man, I'm just, I can't be that guy, you know? And, and so like Jim Clark, my boy, Jim Clark, he was hyping me up, you know, you know telling everybody I was going to do good in this event and Coleman Fowler. And, you know, a lot of guys were, you know, kind of, you know, kind of betting on me. And I was like, man, I, you know, I just can't, I just can't choke for them. You know, they've, they've been, you know, said my name and everything else. So I gave up what I was doing and, went about a mile down the river, maybe, maybe a mile and a half. And, uh, I'd run into a guy and he had said that there'd been a couple of, you know, anglers the day before and they're fishing pretty hard. So I thought, well, maybe they probably sore lips them, you know what I mean? And area I was fishing was kind of small. You know, they, they, they would fluctuate based, you know, really depending on weather and current, but it, the conditions were lining up to be about the same as they was in practice. So the fish really wasn't moving in and out a lot. Um, and when I, I found enough on day one that it had me tied for sixth, and I was sitting at seventh um, by the end of the day. And I just wasn't real confident going into it. And then when I got home, my wife and my family and everybody's like, you know, hey, you're still in this. You're not out. You know, go cash a check. You know, and, you know, I'm, I got that mentality like I, I, I want to win no matter what. That's just – that's why we all fish. We're not fishing for second, third, or fourth. But at the end of the day, you know, like we – you know, it's good to finish that good, but we're all shooting for first. And uh, so I had a I had a spot that I didn't get to hit on day one. I run out of time, and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna swing for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go there, and I'm just gonna they're gonna be there. I had nothing to lose at that point, you know. Um, and I got there, and by nine like nine thirty, I had like ninety three and a half inches, and I was like, I didn't even know it. Like I I mean I had. I caught I called a 20 inch spot, uh, and I called a 19 inch largemouth, and I called a 17 and three quarter largemouth, and I caught a couple other decent spots. Um, and I'm mostly everybody knows me for spots, catching big spotted bass. Um, but I was happy to see those largemouths when I did, and uh, I caught all those fish out of a hole about the size of maybe a living room. They were really? stacked in. They, yeah they were stacked in there so good and what's crazy is i came across them just by prior experience i knew like from from years of fishing there i knew they were there it was just knowing what they wanted and i pulled up you know through a prop bait through a walking bait through a buzz bait i, mean, I threw everything at them you know i was basically working the water column i threw everything up high first because it was early nothing Worked my way back down. Man, I, I ended up catching a couple on a chatterbait. Um, and then I ended up catching some on a shallow crankbait. And they were all, you know, I mean, right there stacked. I mean, I at one time I had two on a crankbait, a little shallow crankbait, a little fat john. I had two and they were rolling. Like one had the front treble hook and one had the back and one of them ended up coming off. And I, that's when I knew they were there. Like, I was like, they're here. Cause that was like the second fish I caught. And I was like, I just got, I, they're there. I just got to give them what they want. And, uh, what told me that was my papa, 
before he died, we fished all the time. And uh, he always told me that you'll, no matter where you fish, you're going to see a clue. No matter where you go, you're going to be given a clue. Now, whether you're, now you're paying attention enough to see that clue and take it in and use it, that's on you. And uh, I saw a little bitty shad come by that was about maybe three inches long, maybe a little smaller. And uh, he had a big old red spot on his side where something had hit, knocked half his scales off. And I thought, that's my clue. I thought, that's it. I switched that little fat John and I started stroking him. I started, I threw a fat John, I threw a bandit 100 and I don't know how many fish I caught in, in that little hole. And I left because nobody was around me. I left some guys had come by me and I left and caught a large mouth uh, up in some willow grass. Cause you know, the Coosa river and wise lake and wherever the terminal was, was where just the banks are lined up at willow grass. And, uh, and that's what I that's what I enjoy to fish. That's probably one of my strong points is flipping and stuff like that. And I mean, it just happened. I mean, before I knew it, my father in law's calling me. Hey, uh, did you you check the leaderboard yet? And I said, No, I just I just got five. You know, I'm, I don't even know what I got right now. And he was like, You know, you're in first. You've got like ninety three and a half inches. And that's when it hit me. I was like, Holy crap! You know. And then like everybody was chasing me down throughout the day. And uh, when you got Lance Coley. And you got Joshua Sharp from Tennessee, and you got Drew Gregory, and you got, you know, Clint Henderson, you know, you got all them Georgia guys, and you got a lot of guys, you know, Tennessee, Hammers from around here, and they're just running you down, you know, and it's like that pressure was killing me because I wanted, I wanted to call one more. I was like, just, just give me, just give me one more. And I mean, I worked my butt off, and uh, I was actually in a new canoe pursuit when I uh, won that event. Um, and uh, my hobie was at home and um my paddle broke about oh wow 145 and i don't know how it broke uh never had one break before uh but it broke i was i was paddling and i don't know if i hit a rock or hit a log or something and it just caught and it just popped and a dude from georgia can't remember his name um, I just give him a bag of soft plastics. He had run out of trailers for his jig, and I had pulled up. We were chit chatting, and I said, "Hey, man, you know I'm fishing a head up here and fish. I'm not, you know, I got some more jig trailers. Here's your pack if you want them." And he was like, "Yeah, that's the color I like." So I give him that pack, and like literally as soon as I paddled off, I broke my my paddle, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So I paddled about three miles, I guess, three and a half miles with a half a paddle to the truck, and I was on the phone with my father-in-law, and I was like. I just hope I make it back to the truck. Like I'm just trying to get back to the truck so I get the way in. So I hopefully what I have done for today has give, done me enough for I cash a check. And I was like, yeah, if I don't make it back, I'm not gonna get to cash a check. So I was digging to get back, and I finally I finally made it back. But yeah, that was that was a good experience here in my home lake. You know, Wide Lake and Neely Henry. Um, it was great. You know, my family supported me the whole time. You know, like, you know, Bucks Island and the Yak Shack and Pelham, Bucks Island and Southside. I mean, everybody was, you know, pulling for me and everything. And it was just, it was good to be able to, you know, do do good here and, you know, pull out a win. It was great. And I'm, ha I'm happy with it. But like you said, the fourth place in Knoxville probably, to me, means more than the, than the win on the Coosa. Uh, it was just a different atmosphere. It was great. I, I'm let me stop you there for a second, just because I wanted to hit on something before I forget. How, when did you find out you and you had the number one spot? My father-in-law called me at like, cause I, I'm, I no, I'm, but officially, I'm, cause I, you say you graphite, but officially, when did you find, and I'm sorry, I interrupted there. You might've been going that way, but when did you uh, know like, oh yeah, I got first place. Oh, when I won it, like. I, oh, they cut the leaderboard off at like, I think AJ cuts it off at like two. So I was freaking out. And I was in the lead when when I when it got cut off, um, but my father-in-law he called me at like nine thirty and was like, "Hey, you're in the lead," and I was in the lead all day, and that sucks as far as pressure. Uh, everybody that you know has been sitting in first can back me on that. It's horrible. So, yeah. You know, every time you pull your phone out, you're looking and you're you're waiting for it to update, and you're gonna be bumped down to second or third or so forth. And when they cut their leaderboard off, I was. I was like, I was cussing AJ. I was like, AJ, you're killing me, man. I was like, this, this is brutal. Cause you know, they cut the leaderboard off. So, you know, you've still got two hours 
to for anglers to score in fish. So hey, you just you just don't know. And I yeah. think that's why they do it. You know, I think I think they do it for that. I think they do it to get your nerves all wound up, and get you excited, and all worked up. Because I mean, it did. I mean, it it was eating at me like crazy. I wanted to know. And when when we were sitting there in the awards room and they were calling everybody out, I honestly thought I'd got jumped. Uh, Joshua Sharp had a freaking phenomenal day on day two. I think I think he had like 98 inches, wow. and I think that was the event. Uh, big stringer uh, for sure, uh, and he hammered him. And and when when I and when I seen him climbing and climbing, I was like, he's gonna get me because he's found them. And when you find them around here on the Coosa River, on Weiss or Logan Martin or Neely or wherever, when you find them, it's, it's dangerous. I mean, you're it's, there's no telling what somebody can put up when when they're on them, and it can happen quick. And yeah, it, that was nerve wracking. And proof to what you just said, I mean, look what Joshua did. Um, what did he, um, I'm trying to forget so many tournaments back to back. I think it was, it was, it was, it wasn't a 10. It was the, either the, the KBF the, or. It was the, or the, the Kissimmee Trail down there in yes. uh, uh, Kissimmee, Florida. I mean, he put him, I mean, he put a smack down there. Like it was impressive. Oh, yeah. I think there was, if I remember correctly, and again, I, I apologize if I, I'm misremembering the facts, but I think there was one day where he by by eleven he already had like ninety eight inches or something like that. I think it was him, but he he basically made himself known to the rest of the world. Like, pay attention, I'm Joshua Sharp. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm here for your money. So for you now, you knew Joshua Sharp already. You already knew how great of an angler he is, and you already see him chasing you down and you see him landing some big fish and all of a sudden that 93 inches doesn't seem that insurmountable amount of inches no. considering what you knew like we are now just finding out how great joshua sharp is but you already knew how great or how good he is so i like to go back to a point that you mentioned because i think it's completely accurate when you're sitting number one that's Obviously, that's the best place you want to do, but as far as psychologically, that's the worst place in the sense that there's because there's always that fear of sandbagging uh, from mm -hmm. other anglers and that um, that, you know, they cut off the leaderboard before the tournament ends. And then you are just like, well, you know, you have it within your grasp. It's it's what do you do now? Do you like? You know, do you swing for the fences? Do you just try steady? You know, it depends on what your your smaller fish is. You know, if you got a 12 inch fish, then it's, I think, was it Joshua? I can't remember it was Joshua Ryan Lambert. I was watching tournament. It could have been also the TKC when one of the guys had like 90 something and then a 12 inch fish or 14 inch to call, which is like, that com that's a complete game changer right there because you can oh yeah you know, i mean it's pretty now i'm not gonna say it's pretty easy catching five fish is not easy to begin with but when you got a 12 inch fish you got to be thinking man i can call this fish i don't have to swim for the fences with a big swim bait i can just go with a chatter bait and chances are whatever i catch next is going to be bigger than 12 inches so it's it's got to be the most stressful position you can be on on any given tournament, just being first place so early. Cause now it's like, if you're in second, third, fourth place, then all, you know, you gotta, if you want number one, you gotta swing for the fences. That's it's comes down to being that simple, figuring out what the bite is and then seeing if you can, you know, throw something bigger or just kind of like, not that even small fish can hit a big swim, a uh, big uh, swim bait. Cause I've known, I've, I've seen fish smaller than my swim bait hit that swim bait. But the chances are of, you know, landing a bigger fish improve when you throw a big swim bait. But you know you're not going to get as much bites as you will with a Senko or a Ned Rig. So there's that whole game within a game that you have to play. And first place has got to be the most stressful spot you can be. I mean, especially when it's, we're talking about the, a two-day event like the Hobie. It's, it's got to be killing you in the inside. 
when you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Yeah, especially when you got the best 49 anglers, like you said, you know, probably around in the country um, that, you know, chasing you down, you know, um, because at the TOC, uh, I knew I was going to get jumped. Uh, and I I was I, – I couldn't make a, cr a crucial call on day one at the TOC in Knoxville. And um, that hurt me the most. I had a 12-incher. Um, I couldn't I couldn't call him for nothing. I had a lot of missed opportunities. I lost a big fish. I had, I had to cut my net because one got wound up in my net, which was dumb. Uh, and I should have took the time to fix it, and that was my mistake. Um, and the very next fish that I hooked, I netted, had him up over the kayak, and he come unbuttoned and was shot right through that hole, hit my graph, oh and end of, the, end of the water. I mean, you can't make it up. And I'm like, Coley, why did you not take the time to fix your net? You know, that could have been a couple thousand dollar fish right there after the fact that, you know, I sat there in the room and thought about it, you know, and I'm like, and then, so, I mean, you know, during the day, uh, you know, Jordan Marshall was hammering them. Uh, Jordan and Ryan Lambert was, you know, they were hammering them. Christine Fisher was hammering them, hammering them. And uh, I knew that when Ryan Lambert, because he was right up from me, um, I knew whenever he got his fish fired up that I was in trouble. Uh, because at one point during the day for a couple hours, um, I had like 166, I think, was my two-day total. And my father-in-law called and he was like, hey, you ain't looked at the leaderboard, have you? And I was like, no, I've been trying to get another call. And he was like, well, don't look at it. And I was like, what is it? And he was like, you're you're in the lead. And I was like, well, what do I got? And he was like, 166. And I was like, oh, that ain't that ain't gonna cut it because yeah. I knew what I knew what Ryan had and I knew what Jordan and Christine had the day before. And I was like, God, if they, you know, but that's fishing though. You know, I mean, they very well could have, you know, not caught a limit. It happens to all of us. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, you never you never know. So I just kept grinding, but. I was in second when they cut the leaderboard off, and I, I fell to fourth, which, you know, they those guys deserved it. They they definitely earned it, that's for sure. And they're they're the best they're the best in the game. So, you know, you, you know, hats off to them. Well, how does it feel for you, for example, like um like your first your your win was in your home waters, right? Yes, sir. So there's always going to be those people. And maybe, I mean, they might have a point. We saw what happened in the Hobie BOS. I think Ewing was a young guy who was, he'll never even, doesn't even own a kayak. But he, and, and not to take anything away from that young man. Great young man. I, I saw the interview on KBN. Props to him, you know, because at the end of the day, you still have to catch him. But it does show you a little bit of, you know, that home field advantage guy that, fishes in their home waters that didn't even know own a kayak got a rented kayak or somebody loaned him a kayak and he almost beat uh, ryan lambert um so again not talk, taking anything away from you but going back to your win now it's on your home waters there's always going to be the people that say well it's on his home waters fair or not fair that's that's going to be you know that's what the naysayers I don't want to say the haters because that's a strong word, but that's where the doubters are going to say. Now you go into the TOC. That's not your home waters, right? No, I've never, never fished it. I'd went and pre-fished it um, two days the week before and didn't catch. I think I caught two on day one. And I think I may have caught four or five on, on day two um, and left. And I was like, you know, I hope, I, it it kind of was like a clue again. Like I didn't find the the area. Like I had found a small little spot, uh, but what they were relating to, I just needed to find more of what they were relating to for what I was wanting to fish. And I was fishing water eight to twelve foot deep um, on the river, and it, it was submerged grass, and there was a ton of bait fish in there on my grass. Um, and there was a lot of fish feeding. Um, there was white bass and striper and, uh, there was largemouth and smallmouth mixed in. Um, and 
I mean, it just, I just, I knew that if I stayed right where I found them and I kept working that one area, me and a guy from California, I can't remember his name, great guy. We, we had the same idea and we were working the same bank. And I realized that about 30 minutes into day one, everybody run off and left. And uh, I was fishing that bank and he come, you know, down through there. And I just think I was thinking, okay, well, I'm going to fish it. And then he's going to come behind me and he'll keep going. And then I'll just go back up and make the same path. And he didn't. He turned around at the bottom of it and was fishing. And he came back up. And I'm after about three or four times, I'm, I just said, hey, man, I, you know, I paddled over to him and introduced myself and, you know, told him, I said, look, man, I don't know what your game plan is, but this is this is my game plan. Is it cool if we fish the same bank? You know, you know who's to say who was there first? You know, I was coming down the bank. He was behind me, but who cares? You know, just out of a respect thing. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm cool with it. You know, if you want to fish it down to the end, and then I'll start coming down, and we'll just kind of rotate it. You know, because it was, it was taking quite a while to fish that whole stretch. Um, you know, it was a couple hundred-yard stretch. And, and we were kind of fishing two different sections of that area. He was fishing more of the – bank out to about the six to eight foot range and i was targeting the just the edge of what he was stopping at out further so he was kind of sitting floating over the fish that i was targeting and he was catching the ones from the bank because the the fish that i was catching was out suspended in the grass and when i would get my chatterbait i, I was basically yo-yo in my chatterbait i would pitch it out in the river let it get buried up in that grass and I would pop it free and then reel it to slack and I would pop it free, kind of yo-yo and a, a lipless. Mm-hmm. And there were so much bait fish in that river, just my opinion. I don't think that they were just absolutely hungry. I think because every fish I caught was about to pop. I mean, they were just, they, some of them had shad stuck in their throats. I mean, it was crazy. So I was figuring out that I'm getting them to react to it because they weren't necessarily eating it. They, I was getting them hung and, you know, like, weird places like skin lifting them in the mouth and you know like the roof of the mouth and the bottom of the mouth and just from what i what i know if you're hooking them in the bottom of, you know the bottom of the mouth they're not really you know they're not really eating it right you know and yeah. it was it it was like well they're not hungry but i needed to get them to react to it and, and it was if i would throw it out and i wouldn't get in no grass and i'm reeling it back i wouldn't get bit but when i would rip it free they was hitting it either right when it ripped free or the fall back down into the grass and um so me and that guy kind of worked the same bank you know and hats off to him uh, he's a great dude from california he's at the poc i'm sure somebody will know his name um but i thanked him after that and even and then i'll tell you how good some of the guys are uh, in some of these events on day two we did that all day one and on day two about mid-morning know, maybe 10 or 11 i was in the lead and uh he looked at the leaderboard. He was right down from me. And he looked, I guess he pulled his phone out, looked at the leaderboard. And I looked over, he was on his phone and he said, Hey, what's your name? And I told him my name and he said, all right, man, I'm out of here. And I said, I said, well, where, where are you going? He goes, well, man, you're in the lead right now. And he was like, look, man, I'm not messing none of that up for you. I yeah. said, listen, man, I said, dude, don't worry about it. You know, you know, get, you need to get what you need to get for you too. Cause I was like, you know, it's, not fair for you know me to you know say well this is my spot or you know i found these fish because who knows who found them you know what i mean he may have found them before i did you know but it was cool that we got to kind of work together and you know we got to work it out you know that way we both get what we needed to get out of it and man it was crazy he said look man i'm out of here i'm going across the river and he went across the river and fished that bank and you know hats off to him you know him him doing that you know might have you know, he may have caught those fish, you know, and that would have been good. I wouldn't have been mad. I, you know, that's good for him. But it was just shows you the kind of people, you know, that are aware of what's going on. And like, hey, man, you know, here's your space, you know, out of respect. And, you know, go after it, you know, go after it, buddy. So it was – I owe him a, I owe him supper for that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Lambert just shared that an interesting story about that one too Um, in his um, wind right now at the Hobie POS um bar watts what did you fish bar watts no sense? i didn't I, I didn't fish watts bar no i i had to no. stay home watts bar i'm sorry uh, yeah me and me and my wife are expecting a baby uh this oh next congratulations month. thank you uh this is this is my second one so 
Reese Little Reese Fisher is more important right now. So I didn't oh, I didn't want to go out of town and miss anything. So Oh definitely. Well congratulations on that. Uh you know, that's definitely a lot more to celebrate than uh winning uh tournament or catching five fish for sure. So congratulations. Uh you know if it's a boy or a girl? It's a boy, yeah. Reese Reese Fisher. Had to, had, to, had to give him some type of outdoors name. My first one's Ridge. Nice. Uh, his first name's Ridge. So this one we were going to go with Fisher's his middle name. So nice. I like it. And you have uh, your oldest one is he's three. He'll well he'll be three in oh, May. Two. So he's, and yeah, what's his name? Uh, Ridge. Yeah. Are you both well? How, both are going to be named the same first name? Uh, well, my first boy's name's Ridge. Uh, okay. like mountains, I guess, and then uh, oh, okay. My second one is going to be Reese. We wanted to oh, go okay, with two, okay. two first names with ours, so we went with Reese Fisher. Oh, nice, nice. Now I get it. All right, cool, man. Congratulations. Here you Thank go. You. And uh, I, I like when they're like that close in age together because they can grow up together, and you know, you know, they don't have that big gap in age, and they can both learn how to fish together, and you know, it'll be fun. You could, I'm oh, sure yeah. you're very excited, and so is your wife. Oh yeah, they're gonna be my little prodigies here in a couple of <laughs> years. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop fishing altogether, and I'm just gonna follow them around. And hopefully, take some pictures. I guess so. Follow That's them awesome. along. So I kind of want to uh, went off stop you with my original question. So going back to uh, your fourth place finish at the TOC, we we're talking about how you know fair or unfair you're gonna get the the people that are gonna say well you want the kusa because it's your home lake you know now winning getting fourth place in the toc to me is a big accomplishment i mean out of 50 anglers the top 50 anglers in the world do you feel like you can look back and you know say hey you know what i'm not just this wasn't you know it wasn't that i won the kusa because it, i was in my home waters i've I've shown that I can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best of them by getting fourth place at the TOC, which, you know, I guess in a way it's disappointing that you didn't win, especially because you were leading for so long um, and you didn't find out till the very end if you got jumped over, which you did. But to, does it validate your win at the CUSA finishing fourth in the TOC in your mind? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's a big confidence thing, you know, as far as a lot of people, like I said, were betting on me for the Coosa event and being a hometown guy, you know, and you know, the whole, the whole hometown thing kind of, I don't really, I don't really buy into that, you know, because no matter where you go in the country, it does not matter what lake, what river, what state, there's always going to be a hometown guy. Yeah. No matter what, no matter what circuit you go to, whether that's you know, F, you know, MLF, you know, bass, uh, you know, the elite, um, and, and, and in the kayak world, you know, Hobie, KBF, there, there's going to be local hammers in every event. Yeah. I'm just going to throw a couple out there. You look at Ryan Lambert, you look at George yeah. Marshall, you, you look at Eric Thompson from Tennessee, and any event that comes up there, you might as well expect. You know, that's who you're going to have to beat. That That's just who it is. And, you know, it's just Neely Henry. It's been when people come into town, it's been Lance Coley, uh, me, and a handful of other guys around here. And it's that way everywhere you go, you know. So going in, going into the TOC, that was, that was in my head a lot. You know, I was like, am I just a local angler? You know, because, I mean – Cause there's so much more, like you said, that goes into it as far as, you know, like going out places, you know, cause you got guys that live here, 365 that fish, you know, for mm -hmm. fun where these tournaments are going to be held and just have a way better game plan, more knowledge of how the layout is, you know, time of year conditions, you know, and where they're going to be. And you just, you can't avoid that no matter where you go. You know, you, you're going to have to be prepared for that no matter where you go and going into these events, you might as well throw that out your head because, somebody's going to be that hometown guy. I mean, it's just no, no matter where you go. So, and I mean, I think that if you want to beat the best, you to be the best, you got to beat the best is what my granddaddy always used to say. And, and, you know, it's like right now, I feel like I'm still learning. You know, I, I feel like I, I feel like I am a good, a good fisherman, but it's all a learning curve for me is because you got a lot of anglers that travel 
all the time to fish these mm-hmm. events and it's it's repetition you know in my mind that's what it more is to me is going to these events and even if i don't do good i'm still gaining knowledge because i'm learning what time of year we went the conditions how i did what the fish were doing what they were relating to and then when this sucker rolls around the next time i'm gonna do better and i'm gonna hammer them because you look at it, you can ask any of these anglers and prior experience is huge. You know, when you go to a lake and, you know, you may have figured them out during the tournament or, or found an area that was really good. And then you come here next year, you're not doing so much running around as you did the year before, you know, hitting, you know, 10, 15 spots throughout practice, bouncing around like a chicken with your head cut off. You come in here the second year or when the next come around comes and you've got a game plan going into it already. Well, I found a good area. It's got fish, it's, you know, whatever your strengths are. And, you know, that's just, I think that's just how this, this thing works. You know, it's just, it's just, it, it's going, it's a learning curve, basically. You know, like, I think that's what it boils down to is just, just learning and keeping, keeping up with what you learned and taking that to the next one. Yeah, that is very true. And again, congratulations on your big win. I think uh, for anybody that would say, and I, first of all, I agree with, with everything you said about the home field advantage. But like I mentioned, it is, whether it's fair or unfair, there's always going to be that. I don't say criticism, but there's always going to be that people that are going to comment that. Um, oh, and, yeah, you know, for sure. And, and everybody's got it entitled for the position. I do understand they do have a case to be made. But personally, I think your fourth place finish at the TOC kind of validated to be not. First of all, uh, you're not a one-hit wonder. And second of all, you can mix it up with the best of them, no matter what lake you're fishing at and what part of the country. So congratulations on that. Now you're moving on to, not moving on because you have other things. Um, let me rephrase that. Not You're not moving on to the KFL, but you're also taking part into the KFL. You're with the Alabama Hammers. Um, first tournament is going to be on June. Um, how does that How does that approach for you change from a TOC or a Hobie BOS to now fishing in a team? And again, this is uncharted territory because we've never had a tournament this way. So as far as you know, what do you think is going to change? I think it's I think it's gonna be a cool format. Um, I, when I got asked, I was all for it. I was like, you know, it's cool. Uh, I like working together with guys. Um, and as as much as I like to be solo, as far as you know, me being independent and me worrying about what I need to do, I like the idea of being on a team and being able to help each other out and you know trying to tr- trying to get the bigger picture and trying to win overall as a team. Uh, I think that's pretty cool, um, and, and I know it's fairly new, so to be a part of that, you know, is, is pretty awesome. Um, you know, and I mean, we got some. Every one of these teams has got some some hammers, yeah. you know, some sticks on them, and you know, you look at the Florida Copperheads; they're coming at us first on June twelfth. Yep. And I know there's a there's a couple of smack talkers on that team, <laughs> and uh, I'd hate. I'd, <laughs> I would hate for him to roll into Alabama, and that's a long ride back home. So, it, I know who you're talking about, and I, I love him. I've had him on my show. Shout out to to my man. I'm not gonna say the name because we haven't mentioned it, but we we all know who you're talking about. But it does it. bring <laughs> it does bring a little bit more of a sweetness when you're like, if you can oh, beat yeah. that person, get him to kind of like. Shut up about oh, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> post your I like, own memes of com- some yeah. you cutting off their head instead of them cutting your head. Oh, yeah. It makes it just a little bit sweeter. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've heard he's a, a great guy. Not not no, he any is. hard feelings towards him. Uh, I like the smack talk. Uh, I think it's good, and it just it keeps everything going and laughing, and it's fun. But uh, uh, yeah, I, that was just a joke. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to it, um, and and. From what I've heard, they're probably one of the best teams on our schedule. Uh, all those guys can fish, so you know, hats off to the Florida Copperheads. We're we're looking forward to having y'all in Alabama, and I know y'all are probably looking forward to having us down there in Florida. So, oh yeah, we'll that, get a taste of it too. And, and for those out there listening, we are talking about Conrad Benetti, the Barbarian. We, we love him. Um, I personally enjoy his mad talk. I know some people get offended by it, and honestly, sometimes he does take it. 
Uh, I don't want to say too far because I mean, he's not talking smack to me. So it's easy for me to say, oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, he's not directing his smack talk to me. But, um, you know, he's colorful. He does bring a different level of excitement to the sport just because of his personality. And uh, we're not, I mean, I personally not criticize him or anything like that. But yeah, it is it is fun. Um, and it's even more fun if you beat him, I think. But uh, going back to fishing in Florida, that is probably the the hardest the hardest trail that you have to go in the KFL is going to Florida and face the Copperheads. Because regardless of personality and all that, I mean, Conrad Benetti, Bobby Morin, Jake Suvak, then there are others that I've, I don't know the, the whole team. So I apologize to the other gentlemen of that team. I didn't call your name. But at least those three I know for a fact. And all six of them are great hammers. And they're in their home lake. So... I mean, it, it, Florida is very different from anything out there. It's just kind of like the same way California is very different. That's why you see a lot of um, California anglers dominate their, um, their, their, their trails over there. When you talk about the Hobie POS going to California, it's Russ Snyder, which is originally from California. And the top 10 is just Cali dudes. So Florida is kind of like shapes up in a different way. Just as I think because of the the geographical landscape of Florida is very different from everything else that's mainland. So yeah, they do, in that case, they do have an advantage and they're great hammers as well, who really know their leg very, very well. It's going to be a, a tough win over there, but you know, we wish you the best going down there and on your home leg, man, let's, uh, let's put a beating on this, those guys, you know, and uh, do your best. Um, I know you got extra pressure because you have to carry Dan Perry on your team. You know. Oh no, that, that, <laughs> old DP is gonna carry his own weight. We ain't gotta worry about dragging him around. No, all no. right. Nah, DP. Yeah. Shout out to Daniel Perry. Uh, yeah, he, the, he's he's a, he's a hammer of his own. You know yes. what I mean? He, that, he he's probably he's probably well rounded more than most of us. I mean, he he can fish deep, shallow, everything in between. So yeah, he's gonna he's gonna pull his own fly. He might be pulling me around a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. So he might be pulling me around. And and this is honestly very serious. My personal best came, and I have to thank Dan Perry on that. Me when I had my podcast before I, I came into Paddle and Finn, I did a podcast with him. I think it's one of my last podcasts before merging into Paddle and Finn. And Daniel Perry was my special guest, and we talked about fishing on deep ledges. And it was like I recorded it, and uh, a week later I went to Ray Roberts. And it was hot. It was like 103 that day. So I went, I put in, I was listening to the podcast that I had recorded, but I wanted to listen to it again as I'm driving to the lake. And I focused on deep ledges. I ended up catching my personal best 22 and a quarter bass on a jackhammer. So, you know, I always give thanks to Dan Perry for that because I really did learn a lot from that recording that episode with him. So shout out to DP. Well, Coley, uh, first of all, thank you again for everything you do. Thank you again for your service. I really enjoyed talking to you about not just kayak fishing, but your outlook on your professional life as a sheriff deputy. I, again, I can't say that enough. I can't stress that enough. It's refreshing to hear a young man like you talk about his outlook on his work. And, uh, you know, for every all the crap that goes on in social media, whether it's edited the wrong way or whether it's, you know, whatever it is, um, we have to remember there are great people, a lot of them, the majority of the people that work in, in first responders and uh, law enforcement are people like yourself that care about the community, care about helping other people, and wherever, you know, wherever we have interactions with our police officer because we, you know, we didn't follow the traffic rules, then just remember we have to, they're doing their job and it's our job to support them, you know. And if there's something that being said that we felt that um, could have said been said better, then it's our, you know, just being able to talk to that officer and getting things solved out and, Finding common ground is very important. So again, thank you for that, jo uh, Coley. Before I let you go, uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity to thank any of your sponsors, family members, anybody else that you want to thank for helping you and in, in your professional life and in your kayak fishing. Um, I'd like to thank my wife. Uh, she she supports me. You know, 
Um, and she encourages me to do the most fishing. So, uh, and my father-in-law, you know, he, he helps me out and, you know, keeps, keeps my head in the game. Um, and my mom and my dad, my family and, uh, my little boy, um, I'd like to thank the Yak Shack and Pelham. If you're in Pelham, stop by, see them. Um, you know, you can tell them I sent you or just go in there, buy some stuff. They, they got kayaks. Um, they're a good deal. They got baits and clothes and stuff. And, um, if you're around Gadsden, Bucks Island, um, you know, they're going to be a Hobie dealer. They sell Jackson's and other kayaks and stuff. They're trying to, you know, expand and get some more stuff in. Um, so we got a lot of those guys and there's a, there's a club around here, um, a spot, a local sponsor I got, uh, thin blue tight lines guy I work with at the sheriff's office. Um, he, uh, it's just basically a law enforcement thing across the country. A lot of the local law enforcement guys, you know, first responders that like to fish competitively, you know, we do that. And then the hooks and racks, um, yeah, that's about it. Just mainly my family that just encouraged me to keep chasing, you know, what I enjoy and what I, what I like to do in my off time. So hats off to them. Definitely. And uh, when is Reef uh, coming out party? Or expected? Uh, well, he, he's supposed to be here March the 20th. Um, nice. And there's a there's a KBF trail event uh, not too far from here up in Florence that I was hoping to attend. Uh, so I'm kind of on the edge about it as far as um, – if, if my little boy's here by then, hopefully I can make it because my family's going to come hang out with my wife while I can go do it. But if not, that's fine. I'll catch the next one. But, yeah, looking forward to that one. Hopefully that'll be my next event. Cool. I was just about to ask you what was your next event, but there we go. So, man, congratulations again on uh, your fourth place at the TLC, your win at the CUSA. Um, wish you the best on the KFL. Um, and on and every single tournament was a local national event. Uh, we wish you the best. We look forward to you know what you bring and uh, what you're gonna do moving forward. So thank you again for taking the time to record this podcast, man. Thank you again for your service and uh, for those out there listening. Thank you for tuning into the Bass Kayak and Beers. Remember, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, on the Bass Kayak and Beers, and you can follow Coley Magon on. Facebook as well on the Coley McGowan kayak fishing. Is that correct? Yeah, you, you can follow me on Instagram too, Coley oh, underscore yeah. McGowan underscore fishing. So you can either one. Perfect. Well, thanks again, everybody. Have a great night. Have a great day, wherever time is that you're listening. Tight lines. Stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.